0: your Bibles, and I want you to go to the book of Galatians. If you, if you haven't been reading it, I want you to read it during the week as well. It's a powerful book. It's a very uh, resourceful book to help us understand doctrine, teaching. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Uh, this is actually, they believe, the first letter or one of the first letters that Paul wrote. Paul is the author of Galatians, and he's, he's writing this letter to a bunch of churches in a region called Galatia. That's why it's titled Galatians, right? There, there was a bunch of churches that he started, and so he's addressing this letter to them, and most believe he wrote it around A.D. 50. And there, there's a purpose to this book. He's writing it because he found out there's, there's a problem going on in the church. There's a problem going on. False teachers have come in, and they've started to distort the gospel. They've started to preach another gospel. We talked about that in chapter 1. So Paul, he wants to fix the issue, and he wants to tell the church what the gospel really is. And I think uh, Miami needs to know what the gospel really is. Come on. I think we need to know what the gospel really is. We need to have a clear understanding of the gospel. And so he writes this letter. We read chapter 1. Today we're going to go on to chapter 2. And just to give you a little bit of of a context, chapter 2, Paul continues what he was doing in chapter 1 remember chapters and verses came later. later. This was just a letter that would run on like a long letter that they would read in church. Um, he, the letter continues. He, he continues explaining the gospel as he gets into what we now call chapter two. He explains that he's had some discussions with church leaders over the gospel. He talks about going up to Jerusalem over some of the matters that they had in their mind, which was Jewish customs, religious customs, circumcision and whatnot. And and then there's a problem because Peter, Peter's acting out of line. If you read chapter 2, you see that he actually gets mad at Peter. How many know that you can, you, can, you can get mad at family sometimes? Come on. Have you ever gotten mad at family? Not in my family, not in my household, thank God. But, but and maybe in your household. Sometimes there's people you love but you disagree with. And so Paul and Peter have a disagreement over the gospel. They have to work this out. This is fundamental what we're reading today. Because if they didn't agree, the church would look very different today. But thank God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, they come together. And Paul challenges him, and uh, they both agree on what the gospel really is. And Paul wants to teach them, hey, the reason you're acting this way is because of this thing called the flesh. You're living in the flesh, and you let the flesh rule you. And if you let the flesh rule you, you're going to act very different than how you should act. Oh, he gives us a solution. Go to, go to chapter 2. Go to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Before we read, look at the person you're sitting next to. Tell him you look fantastic this morning. Come on. In spite of the rain, your hair is not frizzy. You look good. Come on, somebody. Hug somebody. Smile at somebody. Come on. Look at the person on the other side. Tell him I prayed all week that I was sitting next to you today. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Galatians chapter two, (laughs) Galatians chapter two, we go through uh, books of the Bible reading kind of like summaries, and I think this is a summary of chapter two, it's the last about three verses, Um, you can go back and read all of chapter two, but I think chapter two is summarized in these three verses, if you're in verse 19, could you shout amen, Amen. Paul says this, "For, for through the law, I what? I died to the law so that I might what live Live for God. He says, okay, through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith. Somebody say "By by faith. I live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me i do not set aside the grace of god that's an important line i don't set it aside for if righteousness could be gained through the law then christ died for nothing come on somebody galatians is powerful i love that we're reading it together chapter two is it's a very important chapter and we're going to talk about it today and As we talk about chapter 2, I pray that Jesus would help us and open up our eyes to understand what Paul is trying to tell the church. If we get this today, I'm telling you, our lives can look different. Our relationship with God can look different. That's my prayer. Today, I want to talk to you from this subject. Write this down. I said this is the kind of series where I want everybody taking notes. I think we're going to learn together. Today, I want to talk to you from this subject, dying to live. Dying to live. I think it's going to be helpful for all of us this morning And uh, why don't we pray? And then we can go outside and eat some burgers in the rain. Amen. Come on. Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness, for your grace. Thank you for this house. Thank you for this family called Calvary, God. I love it. Thank you for one house with two rooms, soon to be three rooms that we're going to celebrate Wednesday night at John Ferguson High School. God, thank you for all that you're doing in our midst. Have your way here today. Help us to understand your word, the gospel inspired by you. as you use Paul's hand to write this gospel so that we would have knowledge today. Help us today to know you better. It's in your name that we pray. All of God's people say. Oh, come on. All of God's people say. Come on. Can you give Jesus one more shout of praise in this place? Come on. Come on. Have you ever seen something misrepresented? You ever seen something misrepresented, right? To misrepresent something is to give a false or misleading account about something, right? Like, whoa, this is not, you said something was going to be one way, and in turn, it turned out to be another way. Have you ever experienced a misrepresentation? Anybody in here? It happened to me and Diana. Uh, Last week, we decided to get away for a quick 48-hour trip up to Orlando. Come on, just decided to get away and hang out for two days, have some fun, and while we were in Orlando, we decided to go see one of the theme parks up there, and we decided to go to Animal Kingdom. Any Animal Kingdom lovers in here? A lot of animal. I had never been to Animal Kingdom. Neither had Diana. We had never been, so we said, hey, why, why don't we do Animal Kingdom? We love Epcot. We think Epcot is our, it's our favorite park, Epcot, but we did this park hopper kind of thing. We're not like Orlando fanatics or any of that, like, so, so we don't know too much. And so we're like, let's just try to check out two parks in one day. We go to Animal Kingdom in the morning. And before we go, we do a little bit of research online. What do we do in Animal Kingdom? What is there to see? And so I find this website that is supposed to be for, like, Orlando tourists or new people going to parks. And start. So I start reading this website, and they say that in Animal Kingdom, there's a brand-new ride uh, having to do with Avatar or Pandora. And so I'm like, okay, I'm not the biggest avatar. I don't know what an avatar is, but I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll ride the ride. Like, I'm, I'm down to ride the ride. And they said, if you're not careful, sometimes there's a two- or three-hour wait in line for this ride. I don't know about you, but I don't like lines and waiting in line. In fact, one, a new ride just opened up this weekend that I heard the line was 10 hours long. 10, uh, 10 hours long. You won't catch me 10 hours waiting for nobody. Like 10 hours. And so I'm like, okay, two, three hours. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm a Cool avatar, but I'm not doing two, three hours. And they said, hey, if you get to the park early enough, there's no line. Especially we were up there on a Monday. So they said, hey, you'll get there early. There's no line. Get on the ride. Oh, we're excited. We get up early in the morning, grab some coffee, grab some OJ. We head to the park, right? Get to the park around 9, 9 something in the morning. By the time we get to the ride, it's 9.30 in the morning. I look at the waiting time, and it's 140 minutes waiting in line. 140 minutes to ride on an avatar whatever it is. I'm like, oh my god! What I read was not what I was experiencing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We waited two hours to get on a ride that lasted 30 seconds, right? After we got off that ride, I had also read that there was a safari. I'm going to continue my attack on Animal Kingdom. We, we read that there was a safari. I don't know about you, but I enjoy safari. Never been on safaris, but I love um, National Geographic. I've always wanted to go on a safari. So I said, sign me up. I'm going on that safari ride. I'm all excited. I'm pumped. On that one, we had to do a 60-minute wait. And so we get on the line, and we wait 60 minutes to get on this safari. But I'm pumped because what I had read online in this website was that on this safari, you'll be able to see lions. Now, I'm a lion fanatic. Like, I love lions. Come on, anybody love lions? Anybody waiting for the Lion King to come out? Come on. Lions. (laughs) I love lions. And so uh, finally, after an hour waiting, we get on this safari expedition, we get on this ride and I'm looking around everywhere. Can I tell you, I did not see one lion, not one lion, not a not a lion cub, not a lion sleeping, not a lot, not one, not even one lion inside. What I read was not what I was experiencing. There was some misrepresentation on this website. I was upset. Can I, can I be honest? As I started thinking about Galatians and what Paul is saying, this can happen in our life and our faith as well. All of a sudden, we can have a misrepresentation because what we believe does not match up with what we're experiencing. Our lives don't match up with our faith. What we say does not really match up with how we live. I really believe that there's a big problem. And the big problem is that we can say a whole lot but experience a whole lot different. There's a problem going on. In fact, I would say this. If we're not careful many times in church, there's a false advertisement problem. There's a false advertisement problem with people outside and with our own lives inside. Oh, like, come on, we'll we'll say stuff like, hey, Jesus loves you to the world. But when they meet believers, all they encounter is, hey, can I get an amen? Oh, come on, don't get quiet on me, church. (laughs) Oh, we'll stand up at the door and we'll say, hey. Hey. Come as you are. But when people come as they are, we stop them at the door and we say, well, you can't come in like that. Well, what we're saying is not the same as what we're experiencing. right? Hey, all are welcome. Yet our hearts are closed off to certain people or people groups. What we're saying doesn't match up with what we're experiencing. We, we can't claim to, to defend and preach this one gospel and then give people another experience of a different gospel. That's right. That's right. Like, what, what are we saying? It has to match up with how we're living. It has to be the exact representation of what we're reading. Not only to other people, but I think personally as well, I think sometimes we don't experience the true things that we're reading in the Bible. Like we read God is a God full of grace and forgiveness and mercy, but some days we wake up and we don't believe there's grace for us. Some days we wake up and and we're like, God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Other days we wake up and we're like, oh, I'm so full of shame and condemnation and guilt. One day we believe in a God of grace. Another day we believe grace is not sufficient for us. One day we get up and we proclaim that God is a God of love. Another morning we get up and we say there's no way that God can love me. Have you ever been there? I've been there. God, I, I know your love. God, I know you're great. But today I just don't. I don't feel it. Like I've had a bad week. It's been a tough week. I did some things I shouldn't have done. I thought some thoughts I shouldn't have thought it. And if we're not careful, what we read is not what we're experiencing. There's a misrepresentation on the outside, and there's a misrepresentation in our own lives. What what's happened, right? Like why why does this happen? I honestly believe it's because of this. It's because we're going back to that second gospel that Paul talked about in Galatians chapter one remember Galatians chapter 1, Paul says, hey, I, I can't believe this is happening in the churches in Galatia. You're going from the true gospel to another gospel. In fact, he says it's not a gospel at all. Yeah. He, does, he says it's false. It's not even a real gospel. So what happens in our lives is that we believe this gospel that we read in our Bibles, but, but some days we wake up and we, we swing over to the other side, this false gospel. And we say, well, today there's there's no grace for me. This other gospel is a gospel, not of grace, but of religion and works. And so what some days we wake up and this gospel tells us you're only good if you behave good. You're only right with God if your life looks really clean. You got to do all these things, all these actions. You can get to God by behavior. You can get to God by how you look. You can get to God by how good your week has been. That's what this false gospel tells us. So sometimes we wake up and we're like, whoa, I I love God, but I haven't been that great, so I'm not accepted by God right now. God must not love me. He's upset at me. We go from the gospel of grace to this gospel of works. You you know what it really is? It's a gospel of flesh. And it says that we can get to God based on our flesh. Right? It's the gospel of flesh. He talks about it in chapter 1. They were demanding Christians to be good in their flesh, like follow all these Jewish traditions and customs and circumcision. If you're good in your flesh, then you'll be good with God. It, it's not just faith in Jesus. It's faith in Jesus plus something else that gets you saved. And Paul, Paul is like, no, wait, Jesus and nothing else gets you saved. It's Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. We are saved by faith. We're not saved by works. Paul says if works can save us, then why did Jesus die? But we wake up sometimes and we go to this flesh because it's easy to go to the flesh because we're living in the flesh. How many know it's easy to go really quick in the flesh? Oh, come on. Not just with our belief with God, in our attitudes with people. Have you ever woken up one morning and you're at home and you're like, I just spent my first 15 minutes for God. And ah, you're full of the presence of God. And you're like, I love you, G. Another in the fire. And then you get on 826 for about 20 minutes. Somebody cuts you off and you're like, God, burn them in the fire now. Burn them. Burn them in the fire now. <laughs> Come on. We go from grace to flesh really quick. It'll be Sunday morning. We're having an amazing time of worship and we'll be in here worshiping. And we'll be like, your name is higher. Your name. I love you, God. Love it. Love the burgers today. As soon as we get out to the parking lot and our spouse tells us something we don't like. (laughs) 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 All of a sudden we get from the presence of God full of his presence to full of anger in a moment. You just heard what pastor said in there. (laughs) Am I the only one this happened to? Not that it happens often, but <laughs> all of a sudden we'll, we'll be full of prayer and worship and we'll be walking in the spirit. And if we're not careful, we'll go to the flesh in a second. Oh, we'll be giving God some praise in a moment, cursing out somebody in the next. Oh, we'll be all brother love and sister love in a second. But brother anger in another moment. The flesh is easy because we live in this flesh. And so we're tempted by the flesh, not only with our relationship with God, trying to attain something with God in the flesh, but our behavior as well. We're living in this flesh. And if we're not careful, the flesh will want to have its way every day. It'll tell you how to live. It'll dictate your relationship with God. It'll tell you who you are. If we're not careful, this flesh that we live in, it'll drive our emotions, our feelings, and our will. But I want to tell you today that if we can die to our ways, then we can live in God's grace. Oh, I'm telling you, you don't have to obey everything the flesh tells you to do. I don't have to do everything my feelings, my will, and my mo. I got a God that's full of grace, and he is a good God, and he has sexed me just as I am, and he's waiting for me with arms open wide. This is the gospel of grace. I might have had a bad week, but today I stand in his compassion. Today I stand in his grace. Today I stand in his mercy. I know who I am because I serve a God full of grace. My flesh does not dictate my life. And this is what's happening in the book of Galatians, right? Galatians gospel the gospel is being proclaimed and paul is defining the gospel And he gets to chapter two and some of the leaders they're having arguments as who's really saved is it just faith in jesus or is it faith plus all these jewish traditions customs and things all guys need to be circumcised growth track step five (laughs) right it's like oh wait a minute we don't need to follow all these traditions and rules all we need to do is have faith in jesus That's all that saves you, and Paul is trying to make an argument for this, but he has a problem because now Peter comes along, and him and Peter, they get into a little argument because Peter comes into town, and, and one day Peter, he recognizes and he realizes that the gospel is for everybody, that it doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter what you've done, Jesus died once and for all for every single human being. Peter comes into town with that kind of mentality, he comes into town, and he's there in the churches of Galatia, and he sits down at a bench, and here around a picnic table, and they're all hanging around, and and, and Peter's Jewish, and he's hanging around with Gentiles. These are non-Jewish people. Now, back then, these are in ancient times, Jewish people didn't associate with Gentiles. They were considered not God's people. In fact, one word that they used to describe Gentiles was dogs. Dogs. They're dogs. You don't don't sit with them. You don't eat with them. You don't don't talk to them. Like, you avoid Gentiles. Peter, because he now has faith in Jesus, says, whoa, wait a minute. There is no difference. And so he comes. They sit down at a picnic table. They're eating pizza rolls, lunchables, pita chips and hummus. And they're having a good time. It's Jews and Gentiles all in Jesus, one body, one faith, right? They're all there hanging around. But all of a sudden, some Jewish leaders from another area come into the region of Galatia. Peter realizes they're coming into town, so what does Peter do? Peter gets up from the table, and he's like, oh, I don't don't know these children. They say they know Jesus. I don't know them. Do you see how they eat? They're eating bacon. I can't believe it. They're eating bacon, and they haven't even been circumcised. They don't follow Jewish customs, traditions. They don't follow the way we eat and drink. Who are these? I don't know them. Of course, they're not saved yet. How can they be saved if they're eating fried bacon? And all of a sudden, Peter, what he's doing, is he's being a hypocrite. Yep. You're saying the gospel is for everybody. But when certain people come around, you're saying, well, those people are excluded. If they don't follow my ways, our ways, they don't know Jesus. Thank God that Paul was around. And I can imagine Paul, like, just writing a letter under a tree. And he hears what's going on. He's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <whistles> <laughs> Peter! Wait a minute, Peter, you, you, you know very well that the gospel is for everyone. Yep. In fact, you were on a rooftop one time and you had a vision of certain food that you couldn't eat. Come down, it opened up, and God says, call nothing that I've made unclean. I told you I was going to say Jewish and non-Jewish. I told you that the gospel is for everybody. In fact, on the first day after the Holy Spirit fell, Peter, he got up and he said the gospel is for every man, every woman, every child. It doesn't matter if you're white, doesn't matter if you're black, doesn't matter if you're rich, doesn't matter if you're poor. This isn't about that. The gospel is grace for every single human being. It's the good news that we serve a good God that loves all of humanity. And he challenges Peter, don't be a hypocrite. Why are you standing up now? There is no racism in the gospel. There is no classism in the gospel. I don't believe any Christian should have that in their mind, in their heart, in their spirit. I don't associate with people who are less than me. Nobody, we're all equal at the foot of the cross. And Peter, what he's doing is evil. And he's messed up. But he gives us a representation of how we live our lives sometimes. Paul says, hey, Peter, don't do that. And the Bible says in Galatians chapter 2, you got to go back and read it. I wish we had more time. He says he challenged them to his face. They they were beefing. Peter's like, yo, 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 you you were just eating with them. I saw you with bacon in your hand. And now because Jewish leaders are here, you want to step away? You know the gospel is for everybody. Who are you to say who receives the gospel and who does it? Who are you to say, well, people need to follow? All it takes is faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus will create love of Jesus. And you obey Jesus just because you believe and trust that he died for you. Yes. Don't put all these traditions and the rules and things. Peter, Peter, like, he, he's just getting it from Paul. Yep. Paul is upset. Paul is mad. And he said, Peter, basically you, basically what he said is, Peter, you know what you're doing? You're jumping from grace to flesh. You're going from the gospel of grace to the gospel of Of the flesh. We're not saved by works. If works could save us. Then Christ died for nothing. We're saved by grace Peter. You know how you stop. Going from grace. To flesh. And then in chapter 2. Right at the very end. He gives us all the secret. On how to live a successful Christian life. Because all of us struggle with the flesh. We can act holy. And we can come in here and sing every song. We can hit every key. We can dress really nice. You can have your hair did, your nails did. You can have your Bible all highlighted. You can know every book. But you still battle with the flesh. You can speak in tongues. You can prophesy. You can fly. I don't care. You still battle with the flesh. There's only one who overcame the flesh, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so Paul... Paul's giving us, Paul is giving us the secret. Paul is giving us the key. How do you live in this flesh and still honor God? How how can you have a successful life in Jesus when this flesh still wants to rule you? And Paul, he goes into one of the most beautiful passages all of Scripture. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. In other words, when this flesh wants to act up, you know what I do, Peter? I crucify myself. Got birds in here. You know what I do, Peter? I get up in the morning and I remind myself that the old me went to the cross with Jesus. I remember that I'm not who I used to be. I remember that the person that was angry. I remember that the person that had a temper. I remember that that old me that was addicted. I remember that person that always had an issue. I remember that person that couldn't make it. That person was crucified at the cross. I am crucified with Christ. And the life I now live in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for Peter, what you need to do is Crucify your flesh. You and I, can I tell you, this isn't a popular message in America today, but what we need to do is die to ourselves. Die to our will, our desires, our thoughts, our passions. Paul's saying you need to die daily. This is an eye-opening message to Peter, to the churches in Galatia, and to us today. I I need to die every day. This is tough. The old me's dead and gone. Jesus went up on a cross not only for me, but he died as me. He died in my place. I should have died. My sin should have killed me. I'm a sinner. It doesn't matter if you're a good sinner or a bad sinner. We're all sinners. Some of us are like, I I was okay. I was pretty good. (laughs) Some of us are like, I was a pretty good sinner. (laughs) But we're all sinners. We've all fed. There's not one perfect person in here. We're only saved by the grace of God. Paul's like, whoa, that old me needs to die. That wants to go back to the flesh, works. That has his own will, desires. You know what I need to do? I need to, I need to crucify every single day. That's how you have victory. He's saying, that's how you have freedom. Otherwise, you'll be controlled by the flesh all the time. In your will, your passions, your desires, And in your relationship with God, if you don't crucify it, it will will run your life. It'll tell you what to do. It'll tell you where to go. It'll tell you how to act. It'll tell you what to say. It'll tell you not to approach God. It'll tell you that you're not good. It'll tell you that you're a slave to sin forever. It's crucifying the flesh. Three things happen when we crucify the flesh. Really quick, we'll finish with these three things. Number one, when we crucify the flesh, our independence is done. We're not independent anymore. Man wants to live independent. Humanity wants to live independent. Like, can't nobody tell me enough. Right? We got this rebellious spirit about us. It's the sin nature. It's the flesh that doesn't want nobody to tell us anything. And so as long as my old man is alive, it's going to be independent. My flesh is going to tell me, you can get to God by yourself. Just behave really good this week. And it makes me independent of what Jesus did on the cross. I don't trust in him, I trust in myself. When you try to get to God on your own by your behavior, by your skills, by your wisdom, by your intelligence, by how much you read or by how much you pray, you're basically saying I trust myself and I depend on myself more than I depend on Jesus. And if we're not careful, can we be honest, all of us do this. We think that because we read three chapters one day, we are super spiritual now. Because you spend three hours in a prayer closet somewhere. Oh, now you come out and you're a super Christian. You're not a super Christian because you depend on yourself or by how much you pray. We are Christians, super or non-super, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross alone. It's only by his grace. And so our flesh wants to independentize us from Jesus. Don't worry about what Jesus did. Depend on yourself. Can I tell you? We think that dependency is weakness. But actually, it takes courage to do it. It takes a whole lot of courage to be dependent on Jesus. I tell you, I'm so dependent on Jesus. I'm dependent on his death. I'm dependent that he died for me and that on that cross, his blood was shed for me. Because I can't save myself, I know I'm a sinner. I know my intentions. I know my thoughts. I know my motives. I know my flesh. I know what goes through my mind. I need the blood of Jesus probably more than anybody else. I know myself. But if we're all honest, we can say that about ourselves. We are dependent on the blood that washes away all of my sins. Every single one of my stains have been washed away. Because I'm dependent on the blood of the Lamb of the world called Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for the blood. We need to go back and talk about the blood. Sometimes it's the blood that saves us. It's the blood that frees us. It's the blood that washes us. It's the blood that sets us free. It's the blood of Jesus that made me white as snow. It's his blood that removed the stain of sin. I'm dependent on the blood of Jesus. His blood was pure and perfect and it made me right with God. I'm dependent on his death. I'm dependent on his resurrection. Not only did he die for me, he resurrected for me. Paul says in another gospel, he says if, if Jesus didn't resurrect, the gospel would be in vain. I'm glad he died, but I'm also glad he resurrected. And I'm dependent on that resurrection. Because he resurrected, that means one day I'm going to resurrect. Because he resurrected, I have the hope and assurance that one day I'm going to live with him forever. You know what I'm dependent? I'm dependent on his death, on his, on his resurrection. I'm dependent on his prayers right now for me. If you don't know, the Bible says that Jesus, he's with the Father right now, and he's praying for you and for me. Oh, come on, I don't know about you, but anybody grateful that Jesus is praying for us this morning? Like, I know sometimes, sometimes I need to remind my soul how much Jesus is praying for me. Sometimes I need to remind my soul he's praying for you right now before the Father. When days are tough, when my flesh is acting up, when I don't know what to do, I need to be dependent on his prayer. Jesus, right now, he's before the Father. He's praying for me. He's pleading for me. He's, inter- he's the intercessor right now before the Father for me. He loves me and he's praying. I'm dependent on Jesus. We lose our independency when we crucify our flesh. It's not by my strength, not by my wisdom, not by my works, not by my flesh. I'm not an independent person running around. I'm dependent on Jesus. I also lose my independency of my flesh, my will, my desires, my passions. All of us, if we're not careful, the flesh will tell you what to do, when to do it, how to do it. Your flesh will tell you where to go. Your flesh will tell you what to say. And you'll become this independent person. When I crucify, I'm dependent on Jesus. If you're led by your flesh, every single decision you make will be based on your own will and your own desires. Well, I'll just marry whoever I want. i just go out with whoever I want. I remember when me and Dana were youth pastors, we'll talk to some young people and be like, hey, I don't know if you should get into that relationship right now. I don't think it's healthy. It's a little bit toxic. They don't even know Jesus. I don't know. I just feel it in my heart. I'm just going to do it. I'll bring him to church and I'll save him. Jesus loves him. And it's like, whoa. I don't know about you, but before I make any decision, I want to go to Jesus first. I don't want to be independent and just make any decision. I'm crucifying. Jesus was dependent on the Father. Jesus says in John chapter 5, verse 30, he says, By myself, I can do nothing. I can do nothing by myself. Not that great, not that smart. I need the Father. My independence is done when I crucify my flesh. Can I tell you number two? My identity is defined when I crucify my flesh. Our independence is done, our identity is defined. When, when you're jumping from grace to flesh, Can can we be honest? You don't know who you are. One day you wake up, you're like, I am the son of God. Another day you wake up and you're like, I'm so bad. God doesn't love me. One day you wake up and you're like, I'm accepted, I'm loved. The next day you wake up, you're like, oh, God must hate me right now. I'm not even a Christian. I can't raise my hand. That's why some of us, we show up to church on Sunday, we can't lift up our hands. We can't pray. We can't worship because we've lost our identity. But when you know who you are in Jesus, you wake up every day and you say, wait a minute, my flesh does not tell me who I am. I know who I am in Christ Jesus. I know who I am. Paul wanted us to know in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. I'm not who I used to be anymore. When I wake up every morning and I crucify my flesh, its desires, its passion, its independency, oh, that old man is dead. I'm now a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm no longer an addict. I'm no longer defined by my bad habits. I'm no longer defined by my sin. When I wake up in the morning and I crucify the old man, I recognize my identity now. I'm in Christ Jesus. I wake up in the morning and I say, I am loved by him. I wake up in the morning and I say, I am the beloved's acceptance. I am a chosen generation. I am a royal priesthood. I am forgiven. I am covered by the blood. I am the head and not the tail. I am on top and not beneath. I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. I am chosen. His hand is on me. I know who I am. The old me is done. I'm not defined by this world. I'm not defined by this flesh. I'm a child of God. I'm accepted by him. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the country. I'm blessed in my coming in and I'm blessed in my coming out. Somebody got to give God some praise for who you are. I'm in Christ Jesus. I'm in Christ Jesus. I belong to him. I don't belong to this world. I don't belong to the enemy. I'm in Christ. Jesus I am a son of God I am defined by him I know who I am and I know who I belong to regardless of what anybody tells me I know who I belong I'm in Christ Jesus I'm a new creation when you crucify your flesh your identity is defined don't let your flesh tell you who you are just because you messed up don't let your flesh tell you who you should be You're loved by God, accepted by God. Imagine if more Christians believed what we read. We wouldn't be jumping back and forth from grace to flesh. I know who I am in Jesus. I'm going to ask the band to come up. We'll close with this one. When we come to Christ Jesus, and we give Jesus our, our heart, our soul, when we come before him, our independence is done, our identity is defined, and number three, our insecurity is gone. You know what Peter was? He was insecure. Remember, he was insecure since he was walking on water with Jesus. He was looking at Jesus. He would look at the waves. He would look at Jesus. He would look at the waves. He sank. When Jesus was going to being led to be crucified, he was insecure of who he was. He was looking at Jesus. He was looking at the ones accusing him. He was looking at Jesus. He was looking at the ones accusing him. He's like, I don't, I don't know that man. I don't know. I told you I don't know that man. He ran away. Now he's here, he's like, I I don't know. Can I can I hang out with Gentiles? Can I not? Can I hang out with Gentiles? Can I not? Is this the flesh or is this grace? Is this the flesh or is this grace? Can I tell? It's an exact representation of you and I. We're insecure. Am I loved by God? Am I not? Am I in or am I out? Am I in? Am I out in? I, I don't know. I don't know. Do you love me? Do you not? Do you love me? Do you not? Does he love me? He loves me not. I don't know. I don't know. Today I'm good. Tomorrow I'm not. Right? Come on, this is the life we live sometimes. I'm good today, but I've had a rough week. So I don't know if I. God, are you good? Are we good? Jesus died, and when he died, our old self died with him. But Peter says when he resurrected, our new life came up with him as well. So he said, oh, this life, I now live in my body, I live by faith in Christ Jesus. In other words, I don't live by sight, I don't live by flesh, I don't live by what I think, I live by faith faith the life that we live now is a life of faith in who jesus is he's the resurrected king of kings and lord of lords he overcame sin and death for you and for me i trust in him i love him my life is in his hands i'm defined by who jesus is i'm defined by god my insecurity is gone i'm secure in christ jesus forever may have a tough week Some thoughts may come through my mind that I'm not proud of. I I may do some things that don't line up with the gospel, but but I I know who I am in Jesus. I'm secure in him. When I crucify my flesh, I realize the old me is dead and the new me has come to life. I know it don't look like it sometimes. I, I know I don't act like it sometimes, but the true gospel tells me I'm in him. I'm in him. The life I now live in my body, I live by faith in Christ Jesus because he gave himself for me. How how do we stop jumping from grace to flesh, flesh to grace? By dying. How do you truly live this life? By dying. You want to live, you got to die. Paul is basically echoing what Jesus said. Remember Jesus' words back in Matthew, if we could put it up, Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says this. Jesus told his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. You want to find life, true life in Jesus, a life full of freedom? It comes from losing our own life. It comes from saying, you know what, the old me is dead and gone. The new me is alive in Christ Jesus. Come on, can we give God a big, big praise for that? Come on, can we give God a huge praise? Come on, can we thank him for his grace, for his love, for his mercy? Let's stand up on our feet all across this place. We're leaving in just a few moments. Come on, with every eye closed, every hand raised. Come on, can we just thank God, take a few moments just to thank God for his grace? Maybe some of us this morning, we say, God, I got to do more self-denial. I followed my passions. I followed my desires, my will. I've made the de- de- decisions as an independent person, forgetting that I belong to you. I'm a child of God. Maybe today in the morning we just got to do some self reflection and say, Whoa, I've been jumping from grace to flesh. I've been following what my flesh wants to do. My own relationship has been misrepresented with God because one day I'm good, the next day, I feel like he doesn't love me. I've let my flesh represent my relationship. God, I want to represent you well. I want to show this gospel of grace, this loving God. First, I have to accept how much he loves me. By denying myself, crucifying the old me, the angry me, the bitter me, the rejected me, the mad me, the sinful me, the addict me, the one in bad habits me. The one that was always in places I shouldn't be me. The one that talked foul me. The one that always wanted to be independent, the rebellious me. That man, that old me, I, I got to crucify every day so that I can live in the grace of God. Come on, anybody grateful for the grace of God? Oh, the new me is alive in Jesus. The new me, I'm forgiven. The new me, I'm accepted. The new me, I'm a new creation. The new me, I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God, a daughter of God. Oh, i, I do, mercy and grace follow me all the days of my life. I'm accepted in the beloved. The old me is crucified. The new me lives by faith. The new me looks to Christ Jesus. The new me tries to be like Jesus each and every single day. The new me is being sanctified and purified every single day as I die to myself. Less of me and more of you, Jesus. I want to look like you, talk like you, walk like you, Jesus. Oh, if I die more, I'll actually live more. I'll enjoy this freedom that Jesus has given me to be like him and walk like him. Come on, with every eye closed, we're leaving in just a minute before we go and go outside and hopefully have a good time out there. But every eye closed, every head bowed, I'm going to ask the entire church just to pray for a moment. I know that there's people in here that you don't have a relationship with God. There's people in here that you doubt God's love for you because you've messed up, you've done wrong. Maybe you're in here, you're saying, Alex, there's no way God can love me. Maybe that's for somebody else, but not me because I've messed up, I'm a sinner. You're in here and you're, you're carrying shame and guilt. Can I tell you, God loves you. He allowed you to hear this just so that you would know how much he loves you. He knows what we've all done. The, the truth is there's not one perfect person in this place, but God loves us so much that he sent his son to die. So that we would have a relationship with him. I'm going to ask the entire church to close your eyes and bow, bow their heads. If you're in here, you're saying, Alex, I, I want to put my faith and my trust in Jesus. If you're in here and you're saying, Alex, I need forgiveness of my sins. We're all sinners, but because of Jesus, we can have life and life to the fullest. Jesus came and he, he picked up my sin, your sin. He carried it on his shoulders. He went up on the cross. He died a brutal death for you and for me. Went down to a grave for three days. But after three days, Jesus Christ, he resurrected. Jesus, he's alive today and he wants to offer you forgiveness. He wants to give you a relationship with your heavenly father. With every eye closed, whatever your head bowed, I'm going to count to three in just a moment. If you're here today and you say, Alex, I need Jesus. If you're in here and you're saying, Alex, I need forgiveness. Alex, I want a relationship with Jesus. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand right where you're at. I'm going to ask the entire church. Come on. Every eye closed, every head bowed, nobody looking around. This is a private moment. Come on, all of dream team praying, pastors praying. This is the most important moment for all of us. People are making a decision to go from death to life, from flesh to grace, from darkness to light. If you're in here, you're saying, Alex, I need forgiveness. I need Jesus. I want a brand new slate, clean slate. I want a brand new beginning in life. I want to put my faith and my trust in Jesus. At the count of three, with nobody looking around, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to hold it up just for a few seconds so that I can see you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Hold it up. I just want to see you so I know who I'm praying for. Also, I believe God is seeing you. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can. As high as you can. Hands up everywhere. I see you. 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 God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. And you. And you. And you. And you. Amazing. Amazing. Amazing Father, I thank you for all these hands. All of you who raise your hands, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. I'm just going to make this first prayer simple, but I believe God wants to hear from you every second of every day. We're putting our faith and our trust in him. The whole church, why don't we all say this out loud with them. Come on, as one big family. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Come on, say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life, be my Lord, and be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Come on, can we give them a big, big hand? Come on, church. Amazing.